You say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going by what I see. I go by what the Word of God says. There's more than just this physical realm. There's also a spiritual realm. I don't care what this looks like. I know what God's Word says. I was told that my life would be one of pain and isolation and that freedom wasn't even to be hoped for. I was told I was always going to be in a wheelchair. I was given three months to live before total heart failure. Hi, I'm Julianne Hartman from Los Angeles, California, and I was told that I would never recover from fibromyalgia. I was in and out of emergency rooms and spent over $300,000 searching for a cure to no avail. I was just about to give up when I discovered Andrew Womack on television. And Andrew showed me for the first time that by the stripes of Jesus, I was already healed. In a matter of weeks, I received my healing after listening to all of the teachings made available online. And today, 10 years later, I'm still walking in my healing, and I'm not alone. I was healed of fibromyalgia and environmental illness. I was healed of Lyme disease. I was healed of lupus and heart failure. Because people like you partnered with Andrew Walmick Ministries, we've all been given our lives back. We cannot thank you enough for your generosity, but there are still millions more out there seeking the truth that set us free. Will you help us bring this message to them? You can reach people like me who are trapped in their home and not aware of the fullness of what the gospel says that we can be free from everything the enemy tried to put on us. I would not be here if it wasn't for this ministry and I just really encourage you to become a partner today. Why wouldn't you want to partner with Andrew Womack Ministries? Become a partner today. To help us set more people free, become a partner by visiting awmi.net slash give or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. We'd love to have you join us today. Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. God loves you. God wants to bless you and prosper you, but you have to respond in faith. I was able to take that, believing it, and move ahead and operate in giving, believing for a harvest and getting harvest every time. Once I did that, I made more money than ever. And now, here's Andrew. Hello and welcome to our Friday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my fifth week of teaching on financial stewardship. I've been teaching on this and I tell you, it has really blessed me. I remember that, you know, when the Lord began to start showing me these things, it radically changed my life. I've mentioned on this series already, but I grew up in a Christian home. I got born again when I was eight. I have always given money. I've never had a dollar come through my hands that I haven't given something off of it. And so it was a part of me. But you know, until you get understanding, until you do things from your heart, it really doesn't benefit you. And this is a verse that I've used over and over and over, but 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, if you give your goods to feed the poor, if you give your body to be burned and don't do it motivated by charity, God's kind of love, it profits you nothing. And so I was going through the motions. I've always given and tithed, but I didn't always do it with the right heart. And when I begin to understand the things that I'm teaching in here, it revolutionized my life. 
And now, you know, I say this only for the grace of God, but I have had hundreds of millions of dollars flow through my hands. And this is coming from a person that at one time went two weeks without any food, even when my wife was eight months pregnant. And I was giving that whole time. I mean, we gave even during our poverty. We never quit giving. If we were given $100, if I had a $100 bill to pay, I would have given $10 off of it and then had to believe for another uh, 10 or 15 in order to be able to make that bill. But I mean, we've never diverted any money away from our giving to meet our necessary uh, needs. And you can sit there and argue with that and say it's legalistic, but I'm just saying that I've, I've been a giver, but until my heart got right in the thing, it didn't really benefit me. And now I have just seen hundreds of millions of dollars come through my hands. And it's because of these things that I'm teaching you. And for those of you that have been watching on a consistent basis, you'll notice that this is the end of my fifth week. And it's only been really this last week that I've been talking about the tithe and about giving and motives for giving and things like that. The majority of what I did for four weeks was just all talking about getting the right mindset that God wants to prosper you, not so that you can just have it for yourself, get all you can, then can all you get, and then sit on your can. I've been preaching against that mindset. I've used 1 Timothy chapter 6 about the love of money is the root of all evil. And I've been trying to get the heart right. If you get your heart right, if you want to prosper, not so that you can just have more, and this doesn't exclude you having more, because when you get your heart right and God starts blessing you, the Lord will bless you so much that you can't outgive Him. You will wind up prospering more accidentally than you ever did on purpose before. But when you get your heart right, then it starts a divine flow, a supernatural flow of finances towards you. Did you know finances just amplify what's already in you? And if your heart's not right, then finances will just amplify the mistakes that are in your life. God has to work on your heart and get you ready in order to prosper. One of the reasons that you may not be prospering is because God loves you so much. He doesn't want to amplify those negative things, those negative attitudes. He doesn't want to empower you to do things that would be detrimental to you or to other people. And so it may be the love of God that has actually kept you from really prospering because your heart's not to a place where you can handle it. You know, the verses that I've already used over in 1 Timothy talk about those that will be rich. In other words, it's talking about those who long to be rich. Not There's nothing wrong with being rich, but if your heart is set on the riches instead of set on God and using riches to accomplish His work, if your heart's not right, well, then it says over in 1 Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so if you, if your heart's not right, money just amplifies these incorrect things that are in your life and it will pierce your heart and cause all of these things that God doesn't want in your life. So anyway, it's really important what we've been talking about. Yesterday, I was using the scripture out of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 that says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith and see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you shall not have room enough to receive it. 
And I was, I've talked about a number of things about where your tithes should go. And then we also talked about that probably in my estimation, I can't show you just one verse that says this, but this is in me studying the scriptures. There's many different motivations for giving. And I believe that the clearest, the most simple, or the, let me say the most dominant, predominant way to give is just give where you're fed. And yesterday I was talking about how that there are people that have learned techniques of how to manipulate people with their emotions. And they, you know, I see these commercials on television and they play this little sad music and they show you the puppies and the cats that have been abused. And you know what? I'm an animal lover. I've had animals most of my life. And and they play on your feelings and emotions. But it bothers me that I know I'm being manipulated. That music and the way that they show all the sad faces and stuff, they're trying to get you to give out of pity and out of sympathy. And there's a lot I can say about that, but one of the ways I respond to that is say that most of those people who are pushing this stuff are the same people that would kill babies, and they don't show you any sympathy for that. I mean, up to the point of birth, even after birth, just set them over there and let them die. And yet they're going to feel sorry for a puppy or a cat. I tell you, I, I put these things into perspective. And the point I'm making is that a lot of people are manipulated. Nobody likes to see animals. I'm not against animals. I don't want to see animals suffer. But when people just come out and play on your emotions and they get you to give this emotional type of giving, I resent that. Now, there are some times, the scripture says that if you see your brother in need and if you shut up your bowels of compassion towards them, how dwelleth the love of God in you? So yes, there is emotional, compassionate giving. I'm not saying that we exclude that, but what I am saying is that's nearly the only way that Christians have been giving is just emotionally. Somebody will get up and give a you know, a, a offering talk and talk about how that we're so desperate. If you don't give, we're going to go off of television. We're going to have to go off radio. We're going to have to stop this. And they will nearly get to where, you know, it's just a desperate situation. And what they're doing is playing on your mercies. And again, that there are times that maybe you do give just out of emotion and out of compassion for a person, but that is not the majority of the time. And sad to say, this is about all the body of Christ has been conditioned to do is to give emotionally. And I'm telling you, that is not right. There are times that you have compassion on people and you just give because you feel the compassion and the love of God flowing out towards you. And that's one way to express it is to give and to help a person in need. So I'm not saying that that's not real, but there's different motivations. Another one I haven't talked very much about is what I call benevolence giving. Because again, if the only time that you gave was when you got fed somewhere, and so you gave back, just like I was using in Galatians chapter 6, that if you've been taught in the Word, you should communicate unto those who have taught you in the Word. And if that was the only way that you gave, well, then people that have ministries like rescue missions where they are ministering to the homeless, to the hungry, uh, people that have ministries like orphanages, the orphans that they take in, they can't give. So the very people that they're feeding and ministering to, they can't support that ministry. They have to have people 
that give what I call benevolence giving or missionary giving, where you are giving to help somebody else reach out and take the gospel or to take physical needs to other people. And that is a valid form of giving. And if the only way you gave was where you fed, were fed or where you saw the need yourself and you dealt directly with it, well, then there's a lot of things that would get, that would not be funded. But see, we need to have just a benevolence giving or a missionary giving where you give and there is nothing you are getting for it in this life. There is no benefit to you personally as far as financially, emotionally, or anything that. The only thing you get is just the satisfaction knowing that you're helping somebody else get the gospel. And we need that kind of giving too. But these are different motivations and you need to be aware that we need to be practicing all of them. Again, if you go back to Malachi chapter 3, it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. But in the 8th verse, it says that you rob God in tithes and in offerings. We not only tithe and give a 10%, but then there's offerings too where we give towards these other needs and these other situations. And so we need to learn the different motivations and we need to actually participate in all of these. You know, there are some people that I give to. There's one man who's uh, involved in helping young girls get out of the sex trade. Uh, sex, yeah, that's right, I was saying. The sex trade where they are prostituting them and most of it's over in Ethiopia, some of the African nations and things like that. Did you know that that is no personal benefit? I've never personally seen these people. It's not that I've, you know, if I can guarantee you if I was there and saw this, there, it, I would be moved to do something but I'm not there. I don't see these things. So I have a ministry that I've given. I'm not even sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's over $100,000 to help them build some places and to educate these girls and to help them. I give towards another place that brings kids in from broken homes and, and wards of the court and they bring them in and they have an entire uh, ranch, Water Springs Ranch. And I support uh, Dave and Carla Watley in the Texacana area. And man, they're just a great couple. And we give towards, we've got graduates that have ministries going in the Congo. Of course, we give to many people over in the Karamoja region of Uganda. We've drilled water wells. We've built churches over there. We do a lot of things. We, we give to people all over the world. And it's so I don't only give where I've, I'm fed, but I do give to these other types of ministries and I think that that is a valid form of um, ministering to people. And so when you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, I believe that's where you're fed. You give where you're fed, but then you also give to these other areas. And let me just say one more thing about this before I move on. That You know, I believe that the way that things are set up in the body of Christ that most missionaries I know who, are, and I'm talking about a missionary person who's on a, a foreign field, usually in a third world country where you're ministering to poor people that couldn't support the ministry just out of their own resources. And so they have to be supported from some, you know, developed country where there's more prosperity. The way that it's set up, those people basically have to leave the mission field that they are on and they come back to the States and they have to go around all of the different churches that support them and they give them some time to tell about their ministry and encourage people. And they basically come back to the states to raise support. 
Now, I'm not saying that that's evil, but I am saying that it's taking them away from what God called them to do. And this one missionary that I'm thinking of in particular, he's now with the Lord, but he had a miracle ministry and he just saw miracles. And I heard great stories about him and the work that he was doing. And so he was back in the States and he was going to hold a meeting close to me and I went and heard him. And did you know, he really wasn't that good of a minister. And I was disappointed because I was expecting to see an Apostle Paul, I mean, a modern day apostle, and he really was. But the difference is, see, he was anointed to be on the field, to be out there ministering where people had never heard the name of the Lord. And he saw great miracles happening because of it led people to the Lord. He wasn't really anointed to come and minister to the saints. And my disappointment was so great when I saw this that I was praying about it and the Lord told me, He says, you aren't seeing him under his anointed. It's out there on the mission field is where I've anointed him to be. And that raised the question, well, then why is he back here? Because he has to come back here to raise support. You know, I don't think it ought to be that way. I think that we ought to recognize people that are out on the mission field and we need to give to them churches, ministries, need to support them and, and give them a guaranteed income so that if they come back, they come back so that they can rest, so that they can be refreshed. And if they go into a church, they do it so that they can be a blessing to the people who have supported them and just give them a report, not because they are dependent on coming back here and spending six months out of the year raising money when they could have been out on the field ministering to people. These are all things that I think would be solved if we were to start recognizing the proper motivations in our giving. And sad to say, this is an area that is not operated in very well in the body of Christ. So the summary of what we've been talking about this week is in Malachi chapter 3, I talked about the tithe that some people have been giving with the wrong motivation. They've been giving out of the debt, feeling that if they didn't give, God would curse them and that uh, He would make, you know, their their child be sick. He would take money from them. He would make their car break down or something like this. And if you give with that motivation, it profits you nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. You have to give with the right motivation. And the New Testament motivation out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7 is that you're supposed to give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. You just need to give what you purpose and get out from under this Old Testament curse on those who don't tithe. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. And so we are redeemed from that curse. You are not under this curse and bondage. You need to purify your motives for giving. And then we also talked about that where do you give? You give into your storehouse, which basically I think the dominant way to give is to give where you're fed. And we've spent a lot of time talking about that. I know I'll get a lot of criticism because I say that you just don't automatically give your tithes into the church. It's not that I'm against the church. I'm just aware that not every church is a good church and not every church is doing what God wants them to. And so don't just automatically give your tithe to a church. You give it to a good church, a church that is feeding you, that is feeding your family, that is ministering to you in ways that a parachurch or a missionary work cannot do.
And if you would find those, follow those guidelines, you'll find out that you get a greater return and you, you will be blessed personally. Plus one of the points I was making, the people who are crooks, you'll, they'll dry up because you quit giving to their gimmicks, to their manipulations, and it would purify the body of Christ. The crooks would have to quit and get out of the way or either they'd have to purify their hearts and build a ministering to people. You know, I've learned that money follows ministry. Matter of fact, let me just turn over and give you some of those scriptures that the Lord used to say this to me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and in verse 9 it says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. In other words, he's just saying, you know, that in the Old Testament, you couldn't put a muzzle on an ox as they were treading out the corn. You had to take it off and let them eat as much as they want. In other words, you couldn't starve an oxen to get work out of them. You had to feed them as they worked. And he says that that wasn't written just for the sake of the oxen. God takes care of the oxen. This was written as an example to us that when a person is ministering the Word of God and laboring in the Word of God, that you should give back financially to them. That's exactly what Paul is saying. And then he says in verse 11, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Of course, the obvious answer to this is no. If you go out to a restaurant and if you pay for that food, why do you think that when you go to church and you get fed that you don't pay for that? It's not really paying, but you ought to at least give an offering. You ought to communicate back unto them those verses that I was using in Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. In verse 12, it says, If others be partaker of this power over you, are not we rather? And the answer to that is absolutely. This is the way this world system works. If you go get a suit, you have to pay for that suit. You just don't get a suit and walk out with it. That's stealing. You don't go and just get ministry from somebody and then not give them anything. You know, we give all of our materials away. I'm giving this book away. You can have it absolutely free, and I'm doing that. But did you know the godly thing to do is to give something? People differ, and so lest anybody... You know, this is exactly what Paul is saying right here. He's saying that it is proper for you to give back. But Paul goes on to say in this same verse, Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. In other words, there were people that were saying, these preachers, all they are is after your money. So for that reason, Paul said he didn't take money from them. He took it from other churches. And later he even told the Corinthians, he says, I, I went preaching the gospel and I didn't take any money from you. He says, forgive me this wrong. In other words, the normal way is if you minister to people, they minister back to you, but he didn't do it so that nobody could criticize him. That's the exact reason that I'm spending six weeks teaching on finances, and I know that there's so many people saying, well, the only reason you're doing this is so that you can get money. And so to stop your criticism, I'm giving these materials away. How can you say that? This is exactly the point that Paul was making. Let me jump down to verse 14. It says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And this is where the Lord finally got through to me that when I need money, what I need to do is start feeding people more, that my finances follow 
my ministry to people. It doesn't follow my begging. It doesn't follow my asking. It doesn't follow my prayers. It follows me ministering to people. When I minister to people, if I invest in you, then I can expect to receive a harvest. You know, in a sense, it's like going to a bank and you don't make a withdrawal unless you've got money in there. If I haven't already deposited something in there, then it's wrong for me to expect to receive something out of there. If I haven't ministered to you, then it would just be benevolence giving for you to give and support my ministry. But if I've ministered to you, then this says that the, when you, uh, the Lord has ordained that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. When I first got started in ministry, I had about 10 people that I was ministering to on a weekly basis. And did you know what? When you only have 10 people that you're ministering to, you shouldn't expect to receive millions of dollars per month. But now I minister to millions and millions of people every single day on television. And you know what? I can expect to receive over $5 million a month just to keep our U.S. ministry going. If you include our worldwide, it's well over $6 million a month. And it's proportional to the way you're feeding it. If you are a pastor and if you only have five people in your church, you ought to go get a secular job or either come up with ways to get more people coming in. Your income is proportional to the way that you're feeding people, how many people you're feeding and how well you're feeding them. Andrew is offering his complete teaching on financial stewardship in your choice of either a book, CD album, or DVD album as his free gift to you today. Go to awmi.net to order your free product today. This offer is limited to one free product per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. This teaching is also available as a companion study guide for a gift of any amount when you contact us. Or you can get these valuable resources in the Financial Stewardship Package. This package includes the Financial Stewardship Book, Study Guide, and your choice of either the CD or DVD album as well as the Financial Breakthroughs DVD. This package has a catalog value of $115, but you can get it today for only $80. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. We're pleased to announce our helpline is now open seven days a week, Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, and Saturday and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. When you partner with Andrew Womack Ministries, you're not only changing the world through Gospel Truth Television and Caris Bible College. A portion of your gifts go into over 40 other ministries. Ministries like Choices, a pregnancy center that has teamed up with our Caris students to help countless mothers make the right decision. When a young woman comes to us, thinking she might be pregnant. We offer free, all of our services are free and confidential. Pregnancy tests, ultrasound, we have two nurses on staff, but the goal is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead. And when a young woman is in crisis, we know abortion is a choice that's often made out of fear. She would never willingly choose that, but she feels she has no option but that. And so we give her a safe place to come, talk through her strengths, her resources, Teller County averages about 120 births per year. And last year alone, we had 92 young moms and dads in our parenting program. So Andrew Womack Ministries has just been 
uh, foundational as a monthly donor for nearly 30 years, but then also when we purchased each of these buildings and expanded one of our buildings, Andrew Womack Ministries helped us in that capital campaign tremendously. So we're very grateful for all the support through the years. You know, becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries helps us to help these organizations like Choices. You know, our nation today is killing babies at an unprecedented rate, and this is a positive way of countering that, not just protesting, complaining. It's not cursing the darkness. It's turning on a lightning. So join with us and become a grace partner today.